where's the executive chef? The executive chef is is there, but then he's jumping on the on the line and he's yeah. helping out, and people are just losing their minds. And I'm pretending that I like and I, you're I'm calling in out. Like, I'm just calling out just to call it out, <laughs> just, to, just to like just to like show that I know what I'm doing. I have no clue. And at a certain point, I was like, "This is there's no way out of this. No, I'm out. Yeah, and I walk out. No, <laughs> I walked out." Hey everyone, I'm Derek and you're watching A Bunch of Losers. My guest today is Lee from the first season of MasterChef. We talk what it was like to be on the first season of MC, moving to Los Angeles from Israel, the private chef business, failing in the restaurant business, and how he changed my life. Let's go, loser. Hi, Lee. Hello, hello. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Do you watch that family? Do you watch Family Guy? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. But I did I did teach my daughter the the mom. Mom, mom, uh, mommy, <laughs> mommy, 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 mommy. All right, kids. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> Hi. Hi. He, there's this one scene where he's like in the restaurant and he, and <laughs> Stewie's dressed up as like a girl, his alter ego, Desiree. And, and he, he answers his phone. He's like, Hi, Lee. <laughs> yeah, I still got those boots. Maybe I'll wear them. Maybe I won't. <laughs> the guy in the background, Hey, is that Desiree? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear Desiree's voice. You have no mistake. It's oh her. man, it's good. Mm. Well, Lee, uh, thank you for coming out. Uh, Master Chef fam, dude. Master Chef fam. Yes, you sir. you were true. in the original, the first season. OG pioneers. Fuck, man. What was that like? Uh, man, if, listen. First of all, I'm really happy to be here, and I've been I've been binging your stuff like thank crazy, you. and it's so oh. good. Whether it's Master Chef people or mm. non Master Chef people. Um, good stuff <laughs> <So> <laughs> thank you entertaining. uh master chef season one honestly man it's been a while yeah like 12 years since it came out so i don't remember a whole lot of it specifically but i do remember that it was such an unknown because we had no idea what we were walking ourselves into right you didn't have that luxury that like say i had where i could watch five episodes before no, i mean five no. seasons before and be prepared <laughs> and walk in and be like okay i have some kind of idea so not only did we not have earlier seasons to watch but the internet was at like a different stage right no even no social media barely yeah maybe um, some MySpace. No, like youtube was not the you know the stuff that youtube is right now so i had to dig through uh, to kind of like find Figure. seasons from Australia. There was Australia. Oh, really? There was New Zealand. Before the were, US? Before the US. And then there was uh, UK. So I had to dig through those like, what is this animal named MasterChef? Like, I don't even know what I'm walking myself into. Which could be also a blessing. Because yeah. there's not the pressure of, of the you know, performing at the level. You know, Gordon Ramsay was not, he, he was huge. But he wasn't as huge as he is today. So there was this blessing of kind of like, you know, going into the unknown, but you know, no, yeah. no, no real pressure. Um, but man, as you know, still wild experience. Yeah. Well, so the, what I want to ask you is what, how did you find out about it? And, and what was like the, the, the catapult into auditioning? Like what, what sparked the, what sparked the, the, you know, the go for it? Dude, like so many things in my life, it was so unexpected and unplanned. I started cooking maybe like six months before the audition. Like, ser seriously, I'm not even... Wait, and how not... far did you go? Like number four? Yeah, fin ah! final four. 
final four still, okay i look back and i was like how the fuck did you know how to do all these things like instinct okay. is a wild thing instinct so i started cooking maybe like six months before the audition came on and i was here for maybe three years in the u.s from israel um i had six months off of school i finished well i finished uh community college and i transferred to uh to um one of the private schools here in la and then so you moved to the u.s from israel for school well i moved from <laughs> moved from israel to the u.s to stay out of war because i was done with that i was spent enough time doing that i was like i'm i'm out of here i need to just clear my mind and i stayed here um after i moved so then couple years later or three years later i started cooking and you know things kind of come together pretty nicely i was living in venice at the time on the beach i had time off i was bartending making great money not not having school and just summertime it was fun yo that is the dream to be living and bartending in venice like the dream oh yeah especially as handsome as you are you were probably fighting them off (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, it gets funny because I was living with um, my roommate at the time that then became my girlfriend, then my wife. Wait, then the you mother of my moved child. in with a girl. You had a girl roommate mm-hmm. for your first roommate in L.A.? Well, hmm. my, <laughs> my, my good friend and co-worker at the bar for two years. Okay. Then we moved in together. So now we're co-workers, friends and roommates. And then we transition into a relationship that turned into a... An eleven-year relationship, six years of them being married and uh, with a kid together. So that was, long story short, got me to the situation where <laughs> all I wanted to do was was cook for my for my people, for my yeah. for my roommates, for my neighbors, and it became really fun. And the way I describe it, looking back at it, it's like um, it's like learning a language that you already know. Mm. You know, getting exposed to it, and all of a sudden, all these different elements of cooking becoming so familiar you know reading something once or watching it be done one time and understanding what's going on you know the the technicalities that are involved in the process of making whatever it is that that um that i was going to make so through that my neighbor told me about an audition or like this show that he heard about you know there's this audition you should go was your neighbor like in the business he was he was in entertainment, okay. but not necessarily in reality. I think he probably heard it. He just saw a breakdown. Kind of, yeah, yeah, something like that. Told me about it, and of course, in my kind of naive mindset, I was like, "Come on, you don't need. Who needs that? You know, that's that's, that's some nonsense. I don't, I'm not interested. This is just fun. Business school is starting in like two months. I'm not interested in going and like. Um, well, we all know how that went. <laughs> I, I said, you know what? All right, I go. So I'll, how was go the, to, okay? To how was the audition then for season one? What was it like? Do you remember the whole process? I do, yeah. So there was a, there was a big cattle call at Sur La Table at the Grove, and you had to show up with a dish that you can plate. Yeah. So there's no cooking equipment, no nothing. All pre-cooked. And come plate it, and then... Well, that never... So that never changed. Okay. Yeah. So, so you do that, and I figured, well, I can't cook anything. I need to bring something cold. A salad that it's all just like mised out perfectly. This is the instincts of a four-month-old chef, you yeah. know, like what? So I figured it out and I presented it well. I remember what it was like: this grapefruit and grape salad with this yogurt dressing, something. I I remember. It's kind of surprising, but um, you know, then they look at it. They kind of 
evaluate it. Okay. They ask me a couple questions. All right, moving on. And then, you know, all the background checks and all the interviews and phone calls and the whole process. And, and before I know it, here we are, you know, on the show auditioning for, for the apron. Ah, oh, right, right. So you, they took you, they put you in a hotel before that point. Like how many of you were shipped off? Like they picked you up, right? They took they took you from your place and put you in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to live in LA and then the show be yeah. uh, filmed here. You have to pack like you're leaving somewhere yeah, and then yeah, you never you get on a plane. Quarantine for six <laughs> weeks. <laughs> just you know, my girlfriend drops me off at yeah. the hotel, which is twenty minutes away from home. Yeah, and then see you later. Yeah, no phone, no computer, no internet, no nothing. Yep, they disconnect That's you. Completely disconnected, and then when you go all the way to the end, you're there for the entire duration of the time. Yeah um do you remember how long you guys filmed yeah it was six weeks oh, okay six weeks straight with no communication yeah um wild experience wild yeah. experience yeah who does that imagine now being disconnected from like not having the ability I love to log it. in or anything for six weeks I, I loved it both times having to the the first time the first time when i got dropped off they had me get dropped off at the burbank airport because like for you guys you're your person drops you off. She knows you're at that hotel. They got a little bit more strict. We had, there was like issues with people showing back up and all this stuff. So mm -hmm. they didn't want you to, they didn't want significant others or anyone to know what hotel you were at. So I got dropped off at the airport. And when I got out of my car, they had a plastic bag with my name on it, waiting for my phone. They're oh, like, shit. they were like special already. I was like, Wait, you're taking my... And they didn't tell me they were taking my phone. That's when I found out. I was like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, we have to take your phone. I'm like, what? I drop yeah. it in, and then I'm like, oh, fuck. And then it was like, we filmed a little longer. I think we filmed for like eight or nine weeks on that one. Maybe ten even. That was a long season. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, they just there was just no connection with the outside world. Uh, when I turned my phone back on, it broke. So many text messages came through. It just like glitched and. Oh, dude, I can imagine. I had to go because I mean it was. I mean they started coming. Hey, are you in jail? Like what happened? I'm like, I'm like what? Why would you think I was in jail? Yeah, like all the people that had no idea. That no you're idea and that, from it or even being on the show. You know, I love so I love disconnecting. That was fun because then it, it was just like you could really just like open your eyes and just like look up. You know, uh, but. Um, the the hard part was the lie after just having to pretend like i wasn't where i was you know and everybody of course everyone's asking and i'm like scared i saw the the nda and i'm just like i don't want to tell anyone where i've been and so i'm just making up this oh, i was out on the road with the band they were like well how come you weren't posting i was like oh, i wasn't allowed they took my phone mm -hmm. and then people like kind of believed that but they were like you would be more stoked about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> and I yeah. was like, it's a surreal experience that yeah. only I, I I feel like only reality uh, show alumni can understand. Yeah, this disconnect from the world, and then that period of in between, of when you go back into the world, but you have no ability to share your experience. And I remember yeah. for me, one of the most surreal things was then to actually watch it air. You know, I never made the connection since the. The experience of shooting and the competition and the you know the, the whole kind of environment between the competitors and the judges and everything is so immersive like you're so in it especially like you don't have any outlet you know you don't have any uh touch with the outside world 
it becomes a personal experience. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It becomes such a personal experience and heightened emotions and intensity and all that. And then it airs in front of the whole world. Like the whole world gets to see this emotional period of your life that you went through and stuff that I didn't even remember that I said or did or right. like, oh, this happened and oh, forgot about that too. Surreal. Like I, yeah. I can't even, you know, it's it's strange to think about. It is. It's so, yeah, it's so weird. Especially those moments when you're like, wait, I said that? Like <laughs> there's this moment this season where, Christian was up on the balcony just talking shit and he was like, you know, he had got the second pin and he's like, how many pins you got, Derek? And I was just like, I got three now because I'm living in your head rent free. And I was like, I don't remember saying that. And they freaking aired it too. I was like, wow, that made the cut. Dude, of course they did. Shit. Of course um, they did. That was funny. It's not, so, it's not a drama free show, is it? No, it's this year they were definitely leaning more into the drama. Um, wait, so I want to go back a little bit. You so what? How are you? Like right before you said you were in an interesting place. Were you like in a good place, like mentally before going into MasterChef? Like was your relationship good? Was your home life good? Was your financial situation good? It could not have been better. Oh, okay. Honestly, like the ability to to disconnect and and do this thing. It, it was very smooth for me, you know, like I was here, it's before I That's was That's why you're on set always just smiling. <laughs> I remember Great watching you. Great time, man. Great you... time. And, and also just, I, 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 I look back at it, look, it's 16 years ago that I moved here to the U.S. Actually, funny enough, today is the day that I boarded a plane 16 years ago. Wow. And, and came here. It's, I, I know it's, you know, it's not going to air today, but September sure. 6th. September 6th today. So this is the, the funny thing about this date. September 6th is when I left uh, Israel to come to the U.S. September 6th is also my childhood best friend's birthday. Now, the dates in the rest of the world outside of America are flipped, right? You said the day first right. and the month. Right. So it's it's like actually 6-9 and not 9-6. And 6-09 a.m. is when my daughter was born. So like it's a special these, these numbers special number man wow. special number that's a little tangent side note but so today 16 years ago I moved to the US and then 3 day, 3 years later so another side note I moved from a town of 700 people what into a, a city uh, like LA one of into the biggest LA. cities yeah there's like 13 the million people here so that transition between who I like old self and then me same person being on national television and then being aired across the world and you know primetime tv 16 cameras on you at all times such a, a a wild experience so to me that big smile was also like holy yeah fuck, what's yeah what's going on here what is life it was like you're about? coming to america moment it's, it was a big <laughs> dude listen i still have those moments sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i know wait so yeah when we were working together what was it that you you got it, you you were fascinated by some things that we would say they were like is it colloquialisms i can't even mm -hmm. say it it's dude, like what were some of the th I, so many do you know things, what i'm talking about so many things that I, that that opened me up to to where I was like I came here with no plan I didn't come here for acting or entertainment or anything like that like a lot of transplants do I came here because I just needed to to get out I you know I, I just got out of a war in Israel that I got drafted for as a reserve 
I was like, I just need my head clear. I need to get out of, of this intensity of the Middle Eastern conflict that I'm so heavily involved in. So I come here and I land in LA and I remember um, I was, uh, the reason I came to LA is because I had a childhood friend that was living here at the time. And I called her up and was like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm coming, spread some sheets on your sofa, I'm, I'm gonna stay with you. It's like, oh yeah, cool, of course, come. So I stayed with her for a couple of weeks and I would, I would uh, grab her car, drop her off at work, and then just drive around to just kind of see the city. And I remember the first time that She's I- She's like, why is there 10,000 miles on my car? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So then I remember the first time that I drove by the iconic Beverly Hills sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I drive by at Santa Monica Boulevard and I look to the right and there's the Beverly Hills sign. And it all of a sudden, for the first time, clicked for me that Beverly Hills is actually a real place that people live in. Like 90210 is actually a zip code that people put on You just thought address. that was TV. To me, it was, it was the show. Yeah. It's the Beverly Hills wow. pop. It's the scene from, right. from like It's childhood. a made up fairy tale land. Yeah, yeah, TV and movies that I watched. Like this is not real. And all of a sudden, like through over the years, I have these series of things that kind of woke me up to the understanding that this is actually a real place. Yeah. And, um, and it, dude, it still happens, man. And I yeah. still have moments of pinching myself. I'm like, this is life. This is, man, like my, the majority of my adult life I spent here. It's kind of it's yeah. a wild thing to think about. It is wild. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I came, I, I rolled into L.A., and I was really shocked at how small and dirty Hollywood was. <laughs> yeah, I was no like, shit. I was like, wait, that's the water tower. I'm yeah, like, dude. <laughs> I always, I always have this thought of tourists uh, that, like, you know, people from all over the world that save for right. for a year to come for here. this for this like Hollywood vacation that they dream about. They, yeah. you know, they come in, the husband and wife and the kids, and they fly out from wherever. And they get the hotel and they walk out. And I can imagine the first time that they walk onto like the, the Walk of Fame, Hollywood Boulevard, the stars right. and everything. And it smells like piss and there's a bum yelling and at the there sky. there has and... to be this kind of dissonance in their mind of like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> wait, is this, are they filming District 9 right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this must be a mistake. This must be on purpose. Like they're setting up a set for something. Well, and then right? all of a sudden, like someone from Jimmy Kimmel will run out and shove a microphone in your yeah, face. Dude. Yeah, dude it's amazing what the like the machine of hollywood sells to the world yeah. and what it actually is yeah. which you see it is crazy that people come in vacation here like growing up i i remember when i when i gave up like my pursuing baseball which it was all i was ever doing and when i learned when i learned how to play music and i learned about la LA was like immediately I was like that's and even when I was playing baseball I was like I want to play baseball in California like I've always been drawn to this this city and this state and like so when I came to LA it was ne I never like I mean there was that moment where I was like oh Hollywood's small and dirty but whatever I'm here to work like LA has always been home like in my heart but also I I've never looked at it as like a tourist place I look at it as a place this this is the land where you can create anything like also new york like if you could, obviously they say if you can make it in new york you can make it anywhere i feel that same thing about la it's just better weather yeah, <laughs> and man. i'm like i like that yeah, you know man. you know the city builds you yeah you know, the city makes you into something else like you're not the same person no and it'll break you down i remember six months in and friends that i moved out here with just like couldn't handle it six months in and you know, you'll learn about yourself real quick and, and 
it's uh yeah it's a machine here but it's it's a glossy machine you know mm-hmm. you go to you go to beverly hills and you see <clears throat> you know, yeah you see... yeah of course but then at the same time it's not all of it you know no. that's not what la is all about no there's so much more to it there's so much so much beauty man so much diversity and so many different pockets and areas that are just magnificent and so, the food uh, dude, one of the most underrated food scenes i think um, I think US. it just gets a bad rap, right? Because it's like they a lot of what gets talked about is the glamorous stuff and the and the and the big, you know, I mean for a while we didn't have the Michelin star and then it came back and but you know, I think Bourdain was really trying to shine the light on the on the little guy that, you know, traveled from another country on the other side of the world to, you know, chase this American dream mm-hmm. of feeding feeding people in America their, you know, their cuisine. And, you know, Bourdain was doing that. That was great. But, yeah, you just, like, you don't get... That just doesn't float on the surface. You got to live here long enough to figure out, okay, where are those spots? And, you know... You got to live here long enough and know the right people. Yeah. Which adds to the, 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 like, the romance of it all. Yeah. You know, to go into the neighborhood that you wouldn't go to necessarily mm-hmm. into the place that po- that possibly doesn't have like a single letter of English not on the sign or on right. the menu you know whether it's a Korean place or a Thai place or Ethiopian place like yeah. those are the special spots that make LA yeah. what it is as far as the culinary scene yeah for sure do you, mm-hmm. do you have any favorite spots? man dude that market that uh, Middle Eastern market that you sent me to Tehran market on mm-hmm. uh, Wilshire Dude, there's so, there's Dude, so that many market great is so places, good, man. There's so many great hidden places. Um, well, I, and they've remodeled too. Like I keep going there, and it keeps getting better and nicer yeah. and cleaner. And I keep telling, like I go in, and I, I'm like, "Looks good, guys. Great job. Like the store looks good." And they look at me like. What is this white dude telling us? Good yeah. job. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I, and, and they're like, what is he doing in here? Yeah, man, anything you want to get, you can get it here. Yeah, and it's a magnificent thing. Yeah, and I'm talking about like the most esoteric kind of you know products, cuisines, whatever it is, you can find it if you know where to look and yeah. you know the right person to ask. For sure, it's special. For sure, I like. There's a there's a farmer that um, you know, he does the circuits of all the farmers markets. And he has sea beans and like, he's like the only one in the L he's the only one of he's the only farmer that comes, you know, from, uh, was it like Ojai where they do a lot of the farming that comes down into LA and, and he has sea beans. No one else does. And I remember the first time I had sea beans, I was like, these are fucking cool. Yeah. They're delicious. And I remember you geeking out about them when we were working. Oh, I brought them. I showed them to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did bring them. I was like, you got it. Mm-hmm. These are great. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, I did. Yeah. He, and then the guy tells me, yo, dehydrate them and grind them up and use them as salt. Well, brilliant. Oh, yeah. Super minerally. Yeah. Brilliant. And then I think doesn't have like, you know, the, I don't know, cholesterol or whatever, or high sodium of, of salt because it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the nutrition. Yeah, <laughs> don't man. quote me on that. Yeah, man. I'll have to discover. But the farmer's markets here are insane. Just, just yeah. high level, yeah. year round, high level farmers markets. Yeah. And the cool thing for me is that I find the climate here to be so similar to the Middle East. So I, so there's so many products and so many uh, fruits and vegetables that uh, that just like man transports me back home, and it's a it's a cool thing to, to yeah. witness. 
the topography is the same, the climate's the same, all the, the vegetation is so similar. Like there's times where I'm driving, uh, let's say to Topanga or anywhere in the Santa Monica mountains, and it just feels like Northern Israel, you know? Really? It's a really cool, it's a really cool experience. Uh, the Santa Monica Farmer's Market is probably one of the best in the yeah, country. The Santa Monica one, Culver is getting up there. Yeah. Have you been to the Playa one down in Playa del Rey? That one's in, insane no, too. No, I go to I go to Culver City on Tuesdays. I'll sometimes if I if I'm free, I'll go Wednesdays to Santa Monica, and then there's a Monday one super close to me that I just go in for like essentials. But man, if I if I have a tip for anybody that's just trying to enjoy vegetables more, that would be it. Don't just make the trip to the local farmer's market if you have it available man it's a game changer you love vegetables it's my thing i know it's like like Dude, it's my thing. and i'm but like working with you on that job that we did like you <laughs> also you manipulated me so you could just make salads all day long <laughs> Dude, that's not Dude. the only way I manipulated you, bro. <laughs> it's not. Can I tell? Can I tell how we it, met? It, in a minute. In okay, a minute. Okay. Um, it's a great story. Have you? So after after Master Chef, we will get to our we will get to our our Banksy story. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, after you did Master Chef and came off the show, uh, obviously not winning. Um, but I take it you didn't give a shit about that. You were you were just stoked to have done what you've done. How long until, like, did you go back to bartending? Did you go to school? Or were you like, I think I can make a food career? Like, what was what happened after? Yeah, first of all, you're spot on that I really didn't care about <laughs> the win. I was so ready to get out of there. And it was so, I was so, such, like, at a point of peace with with it. I made it so much farther than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, so going home felt awesome. It's like, oh, I don't have to do another challenge. This is great. And I look, I'm not a competitive person in my nature, so I didn't really, I didn't have that burning desire to win for the sake of winning. Right. This to me was enough to kind of solidify it for myself, and then eventually once it airs, to solidify it for anybody watching that I belong in the culinary world. Okay. Like, this is the vision. This is a direction. So obviously I didn't go back to business school. I went back to bartending for that period of time of in between. Yeah. And then once it started airing, um, the offers started flooding in. Like all of a sudden you get an offer from this person, like from across the country, come open a restaurant with me and, and come start a catering company with me here and come do this and come do a dinner party, this and this. And how are they contacting you? Cause social media was different then. How are they finding you? I don't remember, man. Facebook. Yeah. So oh, I mean, there I think, was Facebook. I think Facebook then. was was the thing yeah. back then. Um, what year was this? 2010. So so my yeah. MySpace, MySpace, MySpace already died. Yep. MySpace died. Gone. Facebook was the thing. Yeah, this that was it. It was so they were hitting you up on Facebook. Yeah, before Instagram, anything else. Um, so probably finding me on Facebook, email, whatever it was. You know, I want to. Do you have it. a website? Uh, no. No. That's not, not you. That's not I your still style. Don't have a website. <laughs> <laughs> you never would. I, I, I'm against them too. I, I mean, I have obviously I sell my cookies. That's different. But like a personal website, mm -hmm. I, I, I did one for a minute, and I was like, this is a waste of time. Like, yeah, there's social media. Even though I did buy my, my you bought domain. your name. Yeah, so, so it's there. There's a comedian that's named Derek Fox. So he already had mine. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you you have a you have a um a talent in reinventing yourself. I'm sure you'll find something cool. Yeah, I'm not worried about um, it. Um. So yeah. So offers started flooding in, and then eventually, 
I had this, what I did have a burning desire for was to prove myself. Like I didn't want to come in and get all the accolades that I didn't deserve yet. I was like, I need to go to the fundamentals. I need to learn how to cook at a restaurant. I need to learn and, and kind of gain the respect of the insiders. Did you go work in any restaurants? Yeah, so I started working. I started working at at a sports bar that was owned by the same people that owned the nightclub. Mm. That's what it. Yeah, yeah. So then started doing that, and just from the ground up, man, this shit. And this is me at like I was twenty seven. So that's how old I was. Yeah, twenty seven. <laughs> that's the age of most rock stars die. You know. I used to say I used to like tease girls in 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 high school i remember being like 15 and flirting with a girl and like we better go now i was like because i'm not gonna make it to 27. if you do it right dude i was i thought i was something else it was ridiculous so yeah, i was 27 i started i was like i'll do anything man i'm washing dishes i'm doing all the like you know bitch work in the kitchen prep work loved it absolutely loved it and it, it felt good to kind of to, to grind what about it, that you know, pay cut though oh massive pay cut well I, there was there was i was still bartending still mm. making all the you know the, the cash money from the bar just doing that to to support to support yeah okay um but then during the day just kind of man going in and chopping away wow um started doing that and then it's a funny thing like once it actually aired and once i i progressed on the show there's this cognitive bias that's created in people's minds of how talented and how skilled the people so on cooking ridiculous. shows are. It's so ridiculous. Because here I was, maybe about... All Gordon Ramsay has to say is one just... One word that profound... a lot of times have has nothing to do with the actual quality of the dish. Right. You know, it's like they're telling a story, yeah. right? They're yeah. here to, to tell a story, to push a storyline. And sometimes it makes sense to talk shit about one dish and praise another yeah. in order to, to progress what they want, like sure. the direction that they want to be moving in. So... Man, I found myself in deep fucking waters <laughs> within, I think it was, let's say, uh, like six months after the show, um, I was I was, a, I, I was hired as a sous chef of this new restaurant, this monster of a restaurant. And you have no idea about mm -hmm. systems. Oh, and... dude, I'd have no idea. But in my mind, of course I have an idea. I was like, oh, this is easy, dude. Learning on the job. Gordon Ramsay said it's cool. All the judges said it was cool. So obviously I know what I'm doing. The place was a massive failure. And I was so in over my head. like The man. restaurant was already a failing restaurant? No, no, it was a new restaurant. Oh, okay. I got hired like as in the opening. Did you team. sink them? <laughs> Bro, the first, the first, the opening night is one of the most embarrassing nights. I have two embarrassing stories from early in my career, and I love telling them. Okay. So, and this is the first one, and the second one I'll tell also of like the first private dinner that I did. Oh, great! So the first night, opening night, and they look. I can't take the whole blame on myself. Somebody, somebody, somebody hired you. <laughs> somebody made the wrong choice of hiring me to do this. Somebody made the wrong choice of pumping. Uh, uh, marketing into this place like there was a line out the door people flooding in they didn't even do a soft open no, there was like friends and family for maybe two nights okay so then they open and the place is first of all it's a massive space it's like like 200 seat place right where's what, this at in LA this is in in Century City massive place so here I am. <laughs> I'm running the 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 check. You know the the pass. Um, the pass. Yeah, 
I've, I've been, it's been a while it's since been a while. I was in restaurants. I'm running the pass and tickets just come in and come in and come in. And within minutes, the whole, the whole, like the whole thing is sinking. Yeah. It's obvious that this is not going to end well. And where's the executive chef? The executive chef is, is there, but then he's jumping on the, on the line and he's yeah. helping out and people are just losing their fucking minds. And I'm pretending that I, like, I, you're I'm calling in control. Out shit. Like, I'm just calling out shit just to call it out. <laughs> Just to, just to like just to like show that I know what I'm doing. I have no fucking clue. And at a certain point, I was like, "This is there's no way out of this." No, I'm out. Yeah, and I walk out. No, <laughs> I walked out. It's like this is absolutely insane. And and everything in me was like, "You ha you have to leave this sinking ship right now." So I was the one. I was the captain that left the sinking ship oh. on opening night, and it was not long after that i was like man i think restaurants are not for me <laughs> <laughs> not the environment for me i could not handle the pressure and all, look i had no fucking clue what i was like i was not primed for it mm -hmm. i was not i was not ready for any of that mm -hmm. can i share a similar story that i have with you please do because it'll make me feel so much better yeah uh part of it will uh, <laughs> yeah. so similar thing when coming off the show i was like i need to i need to figure this out like because i knew i did some profound shit I, like there was you know you get the phone call you get the phone call time 10 minutes to like call a significant other and i called i called kim one day and i was like i can't tell you what i did but i changed our lives today and it was just i mean it was, like i knew it i knew when we filmed it i knew the way the judges responded i was like i fucking did some shit today but then we get off the show and I'm like, okay, I gotta be ready for that. Like this is gonna this is gonna air. And I, I was definitely going through the roller coaster. Like I don't I'm I there was points where I was like, I don't know who I am. This is stupid. I don't know why I did this. I should give up. I anything. Long I'll jump ahead. Uh so I I, I go, I need I need to figure out how a restaurant works from like the back to the front. I know the front of house. I've I've served, managed, bartend, done all that. I've not worked back of house food food running but that's still front of house uh so i go to i go to a burger lounge i'm like i can learn this quick at a burger lounge i go to the burger lounge i go hi i would like to work here i would like the worst job and i want to work my way up and they were like wait what <laughs> again what's this white guy doing coming asking for the back of house <laughs> i'm like i want to start on prep and work my way up and I would have had to say dish, but at Burger Lounge, everyone shares the dish responsibility, which I think is awesome. So like even the dope. even the chef does had the guy running the line will come back and do dishes. The managers will do dishes. Anyway, so they're like, all right, cool. And they they put me on <clears throat> prep. And the first day, I don't know, I may have told this on this podcast, I don't remember, but because I tell the story a lot, because they they put me on burgers, like making burger patties. And they're different weights, and you have to you have to w measure them out by weight. I mean, this is we're talking about margins here. They gotta be tight. And I've got this task to make six hundred patties, and they were like, they give they give me all the beef, and they're like, make six hundred patties. Sounds like a great time. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm weighing them out one at a time. It takes me like four hours, and they come back. They're like, you're still making patties. I was like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I was like, you didn't tell me how. Like, there's no time limit. And they're like, yeah, no, you needed to be done in an hour and a half. They're like, tomorrow you have to be done in under two and a half hours or this isn't going to work out. I was like, fuck, okay. I mean, I spent my whole shift making patties and there was other shit that needed to be done. 
So I come back the next day and I'm like, I'm making them as fast as I can. And it still takes me like three hours. But I, I somehow like the manager didn't catch me. And then one of the guys, one of the guys on the line came over. He saw that I was really hustling and he comes over and he shows me this like double system where he's like, grab what you think is five and a half ounces, set it down. While the scale is weighing it, grab another handful that you think is five and a half ounces. Look at that. So if this one's like five ounces, you know you need more. You pick it up, you drop this one down, it's weighing, you grab a little bit to add, and then you pick up, and then you like do this like double thing. And he showed me this. Dude, it cut it down to an hour and a half. I was like, this yeah, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, I'm, so then I get that, <laughs> and then it's like, now I'm learning how to do the fries the way they do the fries and chopping the onions and so i'm learning all the like the whole system and i'm like okay i see what how this works and the you know the the fifo and all that and then long story short a couple weeks goes by and the salad guy doesn't show up and they're like derek you're on salads like i'm like is this really how this goes like it's you just work your way up like this and I'm like, all right, so I jump on salads. No fucking idea what I'm doing. But there's only like three salads on the menu anyway. But these guys on the line will not speak to me in English. They're only speaking to me in Spanish. And so I'm just like, I'm like learning Spanish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're telling me what to do. And I, like, I'm not doing it right. So they come over and they show me and then I get it. And then that's it. And then it's like, now I'm learning when to fire salads. And I'm learning the timing of it. And it's all about the timing. It's cool. And then after a couple of weeks, I said to the I said to the guy that runs and this dude's a he was a he was a drill sergeant that was running the pass every day and and he had to because this place would get crushed at lunchtime like they would do three hundred burgers at in an hour at lunch mm-hmm. and I I said to him one day I was like I wanted I want to do grill and he goes you're not ready yet and I'm like okay. And then one day he let me do grill with another guy, and that was a mess because it was just like two of us, and it just throws it throws a kink in the in the in the chain and whatever. And then one day, burger guy doesn't show up. He's like, "Derek, you're on grill." And I'm like, "No way!" Time like the sign, Derek. I'm like, "Fuck, okay." And they do burgers to temp there, even though they're they're like smash patties, but they're still to temp. So like you know they want a little red on the on the medium, whatever. So. I'm like, he's like over my shoulder, just yelling out, uno baca, dos baca medio rojo. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, okay, baca's beef. Okay. As you're learning learning Spanish. I'm like learning Spanish and learning a grill at the same time. Ridiculous. And then, so I'm, and then one day I, I convinced him to let me run the pass and he switched with me and he ran burgers and I ran the pass and I was calling out tickets in Spanish and it was like, it was super cool. I worked my way all the way up and then the show started airing and everyone in the back was like, yo, are you on MasterChef? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, and I, was like, I was like, I'm trying to play it cool. And then, and the the kitchen window was this small, like, it was like, however many feet long, but it was only a foot and a half tall. It was just enough to get the burgers and salads through. And a lady recognized me through the window and I was like, all right, guys, I'm out. And I, and I, I quit. I was like, I'm getting recognized. I can't be at a burger lounge with my master plan, whatever that plan is. So I leave there and I go, okay, I'm going to go find a restaurant job. And my brother met this guy that he was, my brother was bartending at this place and he met this guy who was like a partner in a bunch of restaurants. And so he gets me a meet. My brother gets me a meeting with this dude, and I sit down. Then they're looking for a chef for this restaurant, and I'm like, 
yeah, I could do that. No, it's the same thing. Like mm-hmm. walking in, being naive, like I'll learn on the fly. Like I can figure this out. It's just food. Like n- no big deal. So I go to a meeting with this manager and he goes, well, your resume doesn't really have what we need. He's like, you know, he's, but I like you, you know? And I'm like, look, I'm like, what is not on my resume? I was like, I can make it happen. I was like, whatever you need me to do to show you, I was like, I can do it. He goes, okay, well, let me talk to the team and I'll get back to you. And they had a sous chef running the place already, but they didn't want to make him chef. And there was a reason. I find out later because he's a fucking jerk and an idiot and sabotages cooks. But uh, we go. He goes. He talks to the. He talks to the owner, and the owner's stoked that I'm from Master Chef and. This guy's already throwing around my name and I'm not even on the books yet. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, this is not good. I'm like, let me learn real quick, right? And then he says, uh, okay, this is the plan. He goes, you're going to start on Garmager. And he's like, you're going to do each station every two weeks. You're going to go from Garmager uh, to saute, to grill, to expo. And then at the end of expo, we'll see how you're, how you're doing and if you can do this. And I'm like, cool. So I get in and garbage is good. It's like a nice, it's a nice, easy, your pop is in the beginning of the day. It's all about your prep because everything's cold. So it's like you, I would go in early. I wouldn't even clock in yet. And I would like work to make sure I had everything set up. And I, I was crushing garbage out the gate. No problems. And this restaurant wasn't too busy. It wasn't too busy. I mean, max, max seats. I think there was like 60 seats in the restaurant. We'd do like 120 covers on a Thursday night, maybe a little more. Uh, but it was just a quick pop, you know? It, they all came at the same time, and they all left. It was in on Montana. Uh, and then I'm working my way up, and I make it to Grill. Now, Grill, like, runs the kitchen. Grill is the rhythm for the whole kitchen. It's got the most amount of entrees. It's got, it's got appetizers. It's got some fish dishes. Like, it's this station's a beast. I get to it. And I haven't learned about like sandbagging yet, like, like you know, cooking a steak ahead of time, like pre-searing. Yeah, pre-searing. <clears throat> I because I didn't know that was kosher, and all I have in my head is Gordon Ramsay's voice saying, you know, do it right from the beginning mm-hmm. and all this shit. Yeah, and like focus on one steak and make it perfect. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm not thinking that sandbagging is like a thing. And so there's this other chef that's like, he's working for the company. And he pops in from time to time because he did the menu for the place and he just makes sure that it's smooth and this other guy's running it. So I, they didn't really didn't need a chef. I mean, it was running, but they wanted somebody. So anyway, the other guy that's sous chef is a dick. Uh, he's running pass. And then for whatever reason, this night was a just a trifecta. There was, a, there was the Santa Monica concerts, peer concerts going on. There was another festival happening on Montana Boulevard, and then we had some like heavy social media promotion that week too. So all of a sudden, it's our busiest night we've ever had. We had like 350 covers when we normally have like 150. So it was like almost twice as busy as ever. And then, for whatever fucking reason, every ticket is coming to grill. I mean like... Every like Garmache is over there just like twiddling his thumbs, and I have tickets just coming out of the printer, piling up on on the on the prep counter, and then pouring over to the ground. And I already have my ticket window full. Like I've I've done this, and it's still going. And I'm like I don't even know where to start. Like I'm just 
panicking. I know I need to go start on this ticket, but like, I don't even know because I'm like, in my head, I'm doing the math. I was like, this steak's going to take 12 minutes and this ticket's coming. And I was like, and I got all this. I was like, this ticket's now like two hours behind in my head. I'm like, there's no way out. There's no way, like you were saying, there's no way out. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start going. And I'm going, and then like the Sue's calling for it. And I'm like, ah, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. But I just head down and kept going. And then the other chef that was like for the other restaurant, he comes out and he yells down and he's like, Derek, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm fucking dying. <laughs> he's like, do you need help? I was like, yes, I'm fucking dying. <laughs> so he comes over. And he starts helping me, and he's like, "Why haven't you sandbagged any of these?" I was like, "What does that mean?" He goes, "Sear all these steaks." I was like, "Okay," and I just like, and then he's like teaching me on the fly, and I do it, and I was like, "I'm like, oh, well, no one ever said I could sandbag steaks. That's totally different." So then I like, I was determined the next day to show back up and like never have that happen again. And then you know, so then I did, and then it was like smooth service from then on out. I learned a new, I learned a new technique. It changed my timing of everything in the restaurant, and it was really great. And then. I mastered that station and and then they still didn't promote me and I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> mm, I, I feel like people don't realize how brittle the restaurant system is. Oh my God. Like the inner system of the operation of a restaurant is so brittle and all it takes is just this tiniest little gust of wind yeah. that just tilts the whole thing yeah. over and it cannot operate. And listen, if you're going to a restaurant, please understand this. <laughs> Like, like the hot tea, like a hot tea. If someone's like, can I have a hot tea? And then the servers are out of lemons. They got to go find the hot tea. Mm -hmm. And then they got to go ask a cook to slice a lemon because they right. can't get Or they got to go to a walk-in and get a lemon and the chef's in there and he's like, what are you doing here? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. And this this one tiniest little yeah. like pebble that is thrown into the machine that just clogs yeah. the whole thing from yep. running. And people don't understand that unless no. you operated within it, like yeah. on all fronts of it, back yeah. of the house, front of the house, everything. You yep. don't understand this. So, or when people want to like build their own menu, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Doesn't work. And and look, the bottom line is the customer is not always right. No, no, the customer is ignorant. The customer doesn't necessarily know what's good for them. But we live in this culture of like having opinions and telling the experts how to do things yeah and it's not it doesn't work out that way no especially with food with stuff that you want to put in your body yeah be a little bit it's more cautious it people. is amazing how how fragile it is mm -hmm. um but well, then one, well hold on one thing i want to commend you for is the instinct of coming off the show and, and like i did was like i need to prove myself i need to learn how this thing works like yeah. in the restaurant from the ground up that's an instinct that not a lot of people have because you can get lost in the the hype that is built yeah. around you after a show like sure, this, after sure. the you know all the feedback that you're getting, yeah. and you can believe that feedback, and that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Well, it's not that dangerous; it's just it will it will cause you to go down a bad route that yeah. is not going to lead to success. Yeah, you know, and and I I feel like you know a lot of people on TV confuse like my confidence with cockiness. <laughs> it's like. First of all, I'm not going to say I can do anything unless I can do it, right? And it's like everything that I did season six, that was all stuff I was confident in doing and I backed it up every time. And, you know, it was just like, I'm just straightforward. Like I don't mince words. I don't sugarcoat shit. So my confidence comes off sometimes a little arrogant. But in just that, it's like I came off the show. I'm like, yo, I'm if I go out there and think that I'm something that I'm not right now, I'm going to look real stupid. I need to... Right check that ego and go go start somewhere somewhere like a burger joint like 
also like my first job was McDonald's when I was in high school. So it was like, I, I felt comfortable going to like a burger place that ran like a restaurant, you know, it was right, like right. It, learning the, the repetition, learning yeah. the pace yeah. and, and the intensity of it, like getting exposed to that yeah. heat. It's a real shock to a lot of people sometimes. Um, so then at that job, they, the, they, they found in the time that I was going through the circus, uh, they found a chef. Um, and then I got into it with the sous chef that was a dick cause he was sabotaging me. He was telling me how to do things for certain dishes that were not right. And then the other chef was getting pissed. He's like, that's not how I created it. And I'm like, well, that's how he showed me. And he was like, well, that's not right. And I don't believe that. And I'm like, okay, well, and that's when I learned like in the bear, I don't know if you've watched the bear yet, but like they sabot like there's one chef sabotaging another chef. And it's like, that shit happens. Uh, but anyway, I was like, all right. I was like, well, maybe this place isn't for me. You guys have how many chefs right now? And I don't know what I'm doing here. And the one chef goes, he goes, hey, I got this chef. Her name's such and such. And uh, she does private chefing. He's like, you should check that out. You might like it. And she, she needs help right now because she called me yesterday. So I got recommended. And I, I called her and she gave me this job. And it was like four weeks with a huge huge celebrity and it was just one person and i cooked him breakfast lunch and dinner for like 500 bucks a day and i was like this is awesome i want to do this yeah you do and then that job ended but i made enough in that four weeks to like float me like a couple <clears throat> months and i was like okay and then in those couple months i started doing pop-ups and and then um and then i did this other restaurant gig and they promised me the world. They were like, this is we're going to do all this stuff. And then it just, it, I got in there. They were like, this is going to be amazing. You're going to do this food. And I get in and then like they're on COD with all their deliveries. And like, I'm, I didn't, I, again, I didn't know what that was. I'm like, wait, I have to give you cash right now to get these vegetables. I'm like, isn't there an accounting department? Why am I, why is this on me right now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a joke. Okay. And then, and then. I literally got on Instagram and I'm scrolling Instagram and I see this beautiful bread, this, this bread that's, um, I like this, I like this post. And then I go follow that person. Um, and then that person like literally instantly posts this story looking for private chefs, looking for a private chef assistant five days a week, lunch and dinner. And I'm like, oh shit. And they, I look and it like, it literally just posted. So I message that person and then I'm like, oh man, I'm going to look too eager. Like I'm the first person messaging this dude. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and it's you. <laughs> and you, and then I don't even realize cause you don't have it in your bio. No one, I don't know. I don't, rem, I don't like, I'm not like, and your page, you're—I mean, you're super humble. There's nothing about you like it's all about your love for food and spirituality and all this shit. And I'm like, like I need this job so bad. Like I needed it so bad because I just needed the change, and I knew that I needed to get more into the private world. And it was you, and you're like, you responded, and uh, and then we met for coffee, and I was like, how was on Master Chef? And you're like, so was I. And then it hit, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> leave from master chef season one it was like it was just such a full circle moment but anyway so that's how we met but i want to hear your side of it like you're private chefing mm -hmm. and you make this post and then 
I come bulldogging into your DMs. It was great. It was a great moment. Um, so I got into private chefing. I was always doing private stuff on the side. Even when I was in restaurants, I was doing private stuff on the side. And very quickly, I realized, number one, the restaurant world is not for me. And number two, all the money and the quality of life is working privately. You get to work with all with basically the, the wealthiest individuals in the world and they pay you really well and you get a schedule that's much more manageable for the most than, most of the time yeah 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 exactly you have you know peaks and valleys right as yeah. far as the schedule goes but at least you have a life you know not as opposed to restaurants where it's just like every holiday every weekend when the whole world is on is off you're the most on yeah you know? yeah so i've been doing private work um which which I still do, and it's it's fantastic. So I had this client that I was working with every summer. They would come in uh, for a couple months. They would rent the house here, and they would hire me as their chef. And under me, I would I would hire a team. So this one year, the um, you know they come in, do the whole thing and everything, and now I'm hiring my team. So I go out to the social media outlets. I'm like, hey, looking to hire a couple people. Blah, but you blah, had blah. done this previous years. Yes, with this client. Right. Yes. So. Did how come you did not reach out to who you had previous year, or was that person just not available? I can't remember. Okay, I can't remember. But here we are. Thank you. Because if if I did reach out to them and they would say yes, I'd probably not be sitting in this chair right now. Probably and, not. Uh, well, and maybe. I, who knows where I'd be? Who knows where, where you would be? That's right. Right. That's dude. The butterfly effect is a real thing, you know. Dude, it's wild. Um. So so yeah. So I put out the post, and it was a really cool moment when you reached out. First of all, you didn't recognize me. I definitely recognized you because you're a pretty recognizable character. And I didn't necessarily follow, I watched probably season two, I watched season two and maybe a bit of season three and I'm like, I'm done with this show, I'm not yeah. interested. But you're a recognizable character and you made a name for yourself really early on on the show. Um, so even though I didn't watch the whole season, I knew your face. I was like, oh, wait a second, I know this guy and I know he's good. And then the coolest moment was, you know, we we chat a little bit and we talk and then we get into rates. I'm like, all right, the way I work is I get all the money from the client <laughs> and then I pay out the people. Yeah, so yeah. the money that I get is for me and my staff. Yeah. Um, so I get a one lump sum and then I pay out and whatever is left, I get to keep. So I have this idea of what I want, you know, to pay my staff mm -hmm. and you come in at such a low rate <laughs> and i'm like wait a Fucking second asshole is this is this like a fake account is this guy just punking me right now what did i ask actually... for i don't want to say i don't want to say because yeah <laughs> i was, gotta go look it was laughable but it took me back to the first private client that i had this is not the the embarrassing story that i'm that sure I was but gonna tell earlier, real quick but... but did you you ended up offering more than i asked for right you ended up giving I me did, more well a little bit more yes Yes. So <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. So it took me back to the, the first private client that I had and I met them at their house and I'm super nervous. Like, oh my God, this house is so big. And oh my God, this guy has so much money. And I'm coming out of the restaurant and I look at it as my ticket out. This is the way that I'm going to get out of the restaurants because mm -hmm. this guy is going to be able to pay me enough where all I'll have to do is just cook for him. Mm -hmm. Breakfast and lunch. And and dinner like left in the fridge right. five days a week, and I can make what I make in this like ninety hour work week at the restaurant. And the way I priced him was one to one, like what I was making at the restaurant 
broken down per day like here's what it is and he said yes like before i even finished the <laughs> sentence he's like you're hired i'm like oh, yes i did it i did it and i'm yeah. driving home and i'm just i'm in bliss i'm yeah. like i i fucking did it yeah i made i'm i'm building a, a business for myself here as a private chef and then only to then go on google and look like i wonder what, what the average rate is for private chefs here in in la which was no joke at the time at the time yeah at the time and at the level of of where i was because listen it's it's a blessing to be a private it's chef double for a that while, now yes. but the average rate average rate was three times what i quoted him so he in his mind was prepared to pay me three times more than what i actually quoted him and i'm stoked and he's stoked and this is like but eventually i realized oh dude i just you shot yourself in the foot myself yeah so now oh, that's that's one of the things when you when you came from israel and you're like you guys say weird things like shot yourself in the foot like that's not a thing you say over there like <laughs> what is the term for a quote uh, is, do you know is that what it's called yeah quote yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't don't ask say me how to spell it but yeah <laughs> Shot yourself in the foot. No, no, no. You don't, you don't talk about that. Do you have those over there in Israel? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. On, on accident, because everybody has guns. So. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm sure there's more of those. But then, so, so this rock star chef, you, super talented, with all the, you know, everything that I'm looking for, is coming in with this rate that is so low, <laughs> lower than what I was prepared to to offer you. So then you come in with that rate, and I go, wait a second, what's going on, huh? I like, it seems legit. It's it, he's the guy. He has the Instagram followers to prove that he's actually the dude. And I go back, and I say, like, all right, cool, let me check. And that's how I respond. I go, let me check. And in my mind, I go, I'm gonna just give him an extra like hundred a day. I'll give, I'll I think I asked for two fifty, and you gave me three fifty a day. You I think wish. that's what you wish. That's what it was. No, that's what it was. <laughs> you no, that's what it was. <laughs> Maybe that's what it ended up being. Yeah, that's what but, it was. But I ended up. I think I ended up giving you two fifty a day, which I was prepared to pay five. I was prepared. I, to pay no, five. I remember it was three fifty. Okay. Very, very, very sternly. What I remember is that I made a whole lot of money. On <laughs> you did that year. Because <laughs> then I found out what you were making, and I was like, "That son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, you grew since then. Hey, you, you taught me. Business since Look, then. first of all, I want to say. Thank you tremendously because, you, you know, the, I know these, mo I always keep track of these moments in my life where my life changed and you were one of them. Uh, and it was, it, it's something I'll remember forever. That job, not, not only was I so excited to get that job because I had done a little bit of private chefing, but this was like a big fucking deal. And it was also, not only was it a big deal like the job, but for the resume, and then it was a place that we learned what the best private chef job is. Like we know, like that is like, there's, there might be some better than that, but not much because that, I mean, that house massive eight refrigerators, a walk-in refrigerator. I mean, there was a refrigerator just for milk for coffee. I mean, like it, this is like two islands. I mean, we had our, we each had our own Island. Like, it was the gold standard of a private chef job. And it was like, when I got to do that job with you, I learned that. And then I learned so much of the management. I learned a lot of things not to do that you were doing. <laughs> no, you were, no, you were amazing. You taught me so much. 
And and yes, like you looking at my Instagram, what I know what to do with food, correct. Like I'm your guy when it comes to food and how we, what we're going to do and, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth and communicating because we did a lot of that. I mean, I remember all the menu planning that we were doing. It was so much fun. Um, but what you taught me was a lot of the etiquette for private chefing that a lot of people don't have. And you taught me a lot of... Um, a lot of the just the management and the perspective and it's like like there was like because the client was so big like i would if i was like doing dishes you're like derek don't just leave those there's somebody for that and it and not in a like hoity-toity way it's like no these clients employ so many people like the there is a person hired for that and the person is grateful for that job and doesn't want to see us doing it because if the client sees that then they go okay well then why am i hiring a dishwasher and that could someone could lose their job so you taught me a lot of that perspective too and that's that was super important so you know it was a it was one of those things like you you brought me in and you know i i <laughs> shot myself in the foot and earned a little less but uh <clears throat> you know that it gave me it gave me the the knowledge to confidently go into the next job and reach out for that bigger private chef job that I maybe not would have done because I mean you were kind of like my training wheels on like this you know what I mean like the other one that I did was just for one person this was for how many people were in that house well it was a big job man it was, it was big. a big job it's like 40 people every day that what we did with st plus staff and everything yeah was it was a lot for the, you know the family which was probably like maybe eight people um plus they're like immediate helpers and everything and plus staff and all that we did a, we made a lot of food that summer so much food but uh that's cool man i i, I uh, appreciate you yeah saying that it feels good but man it was it was so worth it i was so happy um having you on there and it was probably the best experience that i've had with that client because of you know you and i vibing together yeah, and our vibe was and cool really, and really complimenting each other because our styles are so different yeah like our, our cooking styles and our approach to the food is so different so that was an element that i really appreciated in you coming in with with your stuff that we were together able to provide the client with a much more well-rounded um experience which yeah. was was really dope but um yeah man you're absolutely right like as far as private chef uh the private chef world is so different than cooking at home or in restaurants because of you know just the the basic fact of being in somebody's home yeah. you know the you're in not only are you in their home you're in the heart of the home mm -hmm. like everything happens in the kitchen mm -hmm. and i've had you know clients where um they're so used to me being there that they have all of their you know the biggest family feuds and the biggest celebrations and the most intimate moments in the kitchen while I'm there. Yeah. And it's this this kind of delicate balancing act of still, you know, providing the service. You're there for for a service, you're there to do the work. But then becoming like a part of the family. But you become a part of the yeah. family and it's yeah. not your own family. And no. it's you know, you're still getting paid. There's still the, the this yeah. hierarchy of employer employee kind of thing, client and and service provider. Um, but you have to, it, it's, it's all emotional intelligence. You have to know how to cook. You have to be able to produce the food at, at the, at the level that they're expecting. And 
and eventually you really become a part of the family and you have to ninja your way through all these tiny little, you know, obstacles that come at you, which to me is the most exciting thing. You know, there's no wonder now understanding who I am as a person and as a chef, it's no wonder to me that I, that the restaurant world was not for me. I needed the direct contact with mm. the people, you know, being close to them, intimate, you know, yeah. it's an intimate relationship. Uh, I know what they like more than they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's a it's a really cool thing to be able to to master because then I you know, it helps me in my day to day life just with interacting with people in general. Um and it's very cool to be able to pass it down and then see somebody kind of like, ah, having it click for you and then you go out and do the same thing yeah. for others. And too. I have like sense and I like every chef that I hand a job to, like I I think about you know, how you brought me in and I'm just mm. like, I just pay it forward, you know? Um, but I pay them so much more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live and you learn. Dude, the, next cool. dude, the next job, the next job within two months of the next job, I bought a Tesla. Like, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were getting paid. You still get paid. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah now I'm doing great. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, MasterChef <laughs> Season 12, back to win. You didn't want to... Uh, you didn't want to show up, huh? Dude, it was a great, <laughs> it was a great stroke to my ego that they wanted me back. Um, they used you in the promo. They did. Yeah, I didn't even know that. They, that's, you that's were like funny, so man. just. It was like baby like, me, baby you, <laughs> grinning, just happy to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at you. me in America. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used you in the promo. That's so, funny, so what man. happened when they that. called you? So they called me, and it was funny because I was in this mindset of like man, I wonder if I need to go back on TV. So it's it was very serendipitous in that way that the phone call came in really at the time in my mind where I was like, I think I need to get back out there. Like being on a, in, a, in a cooking competition could be fun. Let's let's see what comes up. And then, you know, a few days, a week, a couple weeks later, um, the phone call comes in like, hey, we're doing this, blah, blah. And I went through the process. I was like, hey, let me let me just get on the show and then decide if I want to do it or not. Yeah, because we were talking a little bit. Right, we were talking. And I was pumped. Of course, we were pump, we were pumping each other. We were giving each other shit. We were like, "All right, here, we, you know, we're gonna." I was like, go "Dude, we, we're gonna get on a team challenge and fucking crush!" Right, right. and then get to the finals <laughs> and like let the best man win. That was the plan, and it was really, it was exciting. It was really exciting for me. And what ended up happening is, you know, so I get past all of the, you know, the interviews and the, this, you know getting the dates already here's the contract and i'm sitting with the contract and i'm realizing um you know do i want to do this or not what's what's the deal and man i obviously i decided not to do it and the factors were it's a combination of a few things mainly i was in a specific point in my life where i just went through a divorce i had my daughter with me and me leaving the world for six to eight months or six to eight weeks was just not an option. It's, mm. it's not happening. So it was kind of this understanding of where are my priorities? Mm -hmm. What's more important? Where am I going to be? Um, where am I going to be of, of service in the best way that I can? Is it really going on the show and what can come out of it? Even let's say I win, you know, cause if I'm going to go, let's go for the win. Um, how does that, what does that path look like? And what is the path of staying looks like? Mm -hmm. And the path of staying just felt like the right thing to do and understanding that 
look, even I look back at season one, even if I did win and here's the, you know, the lump sum of money and here's the cookbook and here's the fame and all that stuff. I made all of that during my career sure. and, and then some and, yeah. and way more. Yeah. So, okay, the money is not interesting. And the fame, is the fame interesting to me? It wasn't at that point, especially not at the cost of just separating myself for, for, you know, for that period of time. And man, I could not be more proud of myself for, for saying no yeah, to it. Yeah. It was the right decision. I don't regret it for a second. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I remember I, I, um, around that time, I showed my daughter for the first time. She was... This was like a, a year ago or something. Okay. Maybe she was, uh, she, she's six and a half now. So I showed her my, the clips from season one. And she was in this, in this kind of mode of watching a lot of like the Netflix baking shows, mm. you know, Sugar Rush and all kinds of like. Did, she, un did she understand that was you on the so, TV? So she was, she was, she was asking, it was like, Abba, she calls, she calls me Abba. Abba, why, when are you going to be on TV? I was like, oh, Vita, you know, I was, I was on TV in the past. Right? I was like, what? You were on TV? What? And I showed her some of the clips on, on YouTube or Hulu. Yeah. And she lost her mind. She was like so excited. And then I told her that I would actually have the opportunity of doing it again. And I said, no. And dude, she burst she understood? in tears. No. She was, I was like, no. Why'd you do this to me? Like, I wanted to see you on TV. <laughs> She was so disappointed, but man, no, it was absolutely the right decision. Like, yeah. listen, no, you, I mean, you have a daughter, you have an amazing private chef business. Yeah. There was nothing for me, uh, to prove. And also like I, I, I wasn't, once you get exposed to it, once you understand the game and you understand the kind of the inner happenings of behind the scenes and what the storytelling is all about. And you realize, man, I can be there with all my heart and soul. And that's what it really is. Cause you, you care, you yeah, want to yeah. do your best and you want to prove yourself and you want to push and all that. And to realize that then that you're only met by like the energy that fits for them with, for the production, for the purpose of, of creating the show. And it has mm -hmm. nothing really to do with you. I feel like that's probably common to all uh, reality shows, you know? Yeah. It You're is. there to serve a purpose for the production. I didn't want to put myself in that position. Yeah, it's it's hard because it's, you know, it's a competition show, but it's also a reality show. And where those intersect and how the rules are written, it's where where do you fall? And that's that is a that is a tough thing. Um but I think, you know, for for me and and I'm seeing it like play out right now is I, I mean like you I thought about it for a minute I was like do I need to do this all again like am I gonna ruin what I did the first time around because I mean making it to the finale and not winning I mean you look at Adam Lambert you know I mean it's like is that like I'm not Adam Lambert obviously but like of the MasterChef kitchen like making it that far and getting all the job and i worked for six years busting six and a half years almost seven years busting my ass to get that job that i like wanted that just changes my life and i'm there i have the best private job in the world and wouldn't change it for a million dollars i mean it's like even if I had a million in the bank, like I would still go to this job because I love it that much. Cause you were talking about the mental health of it. Like the mental health of this job is amazing. I'm, I feel like part of the family. And when they called, I'm like, 
this is like risking it because at first I gotta go, I gotta go talk to them. I gotta be like, you guys cool without me for eight weeks. Cause you know, in eight, eight weeks, I mean, they could find somebody and I'm out. doesn't matter how much they Easily, like me. Yeah. The, the, I'm replaced, gone. So I had to make sure I still had a job to come back to no matter the outcome. Um, and they were excited for me or whatever. And then, and then I, I mean, as like you were saying, it's about the passion and, and the, the desire. And for me, it was about just showing like I did the first time, like I belong in the finale and that trophy should be mine. So I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going in and making an undeniable dish every time I know, I know that I'm not going to get called up every time. Because they have, they have to give everybody their moment. So we have a TV show. Uh, but I'm going to make it so that my plates, they have to air them. Because they're going to be too good not to air. And then I'm going to make sure that I put that heart and that passion so that it comes through the TV. Like no matter what. Like you can't edit around how... I feel about what I'm doing and how undeniable I'm going to make every one of these plates. And that I think has worked because when I got eliminated, I mean, I, I the thousands of messages that were like, we just turned, we turned the TV off mm-hmm. because they're like, no one else has that is showing that passion. I know who has that passion in that kitchen, but was it showing, was it coming through and I'm like, if I'm going to go do this, I'm going to make sure at the very least, like the passion comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I also remember, I was like, I know what, I know what this does. I mean, this changes everything, but I was also worried because I was like, what if this ruins everything? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you have such a strong basis and your understanding and your skill set are, are so strong. Look, the show itself, it can open the door, but what you what like, it opens the door, but what you do once you walk through the door is your own hands yeah. and your own feet. Like yeah. where do you go and how you handle yourself and how you progress in this industry of ours is all on you. You know, so relying on the show like a crutch and we we know some characters who jump from one show to another feeling like that is their ticket, you know, like they have to do that and not and, and can't rely on their own skills. You're eventually on your own, you know, so you, yeah. you show your skills. Eventually, you're the one that has to prove them in the field. And that's something that you do time and time again. And that's something that was sitting in my mind when I was thinking about whether I should um, I should do the show or not. And also the look, the ego boost that comes with it is a double edged sword. Right? Yeah, right. It is a double edged sword. There are two days that were very significant to me in my culinary career. The first day was the day that I realized that I'm actually really good at this. And then the second day, uh, which was not too long ago, that I realized that I'm not that great at it. Meaning, I'm good, yes. My career is, is thriving and people pay me good money to cook, but I'm not the best and I don't even want to be the best. I have no aspiration of becoming the best for the sake of the crown, you know? So, like, to push more for the win and everything it defeats the purpose for me the purpose is to maintain the career to be a a loving and devoted father to be a good person to be um you know to to be connected to god to do good work here on earth um in the name of something greater than me and not all of it begin and end 
with me. So for that reason, also, it's just, you know, what is the purpose of the praise and yeah. sitting on the throne and yeah. everything? It's I need to put that in check. Well, and that's also a perspective of part of that being a private chef is like, you know, I mean, you you know how I like to make food and how I how I cook and how I plate and all that. And like my client loves when I go all out when we have dinner parties and stuff. But sometimes like on a Tuesday night, they're like, can you just steam some broccoli for us and maybe saute some vegetables and then just like Mm -hmm. make a soup? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's the most simple thing. And that's, that's hard for me to do. Like the, the, just like, I'm like, wait, so I only need, I'm only going to be working for like 45 minutes. Like, and then I, so I'm like, okay, well. I'll make some cookies or I'll make a cake that day. Like on those days that they want the simple thing, like I'll go, I'll still find a way to like, you know, exercise the the drive and exercise the passion. Cause I mean, that's, I have to keep that drive and passion alive. Um, and so, you know, I'll do something else. I'll clean the fridge. I'll, re- I'll restock the pantry and, and then I'll go steam the broccoli. And <laughs> it's like, right, but right. that's also part of being a private chef too in LA. It's like, there's 30,000 restaurants pre-COVID, 30,000 restaurants in Los Angeles. Like, our clients can go to any one of those restaurants. Right. And, like, my client on a Friday night got me a reservation at Nobu the day before. Like, what? And it was, like, the best, it was the best seat on the patio. Like, she's she's like that. So, like, I have to remember, and and you're really good at exercising that, is that... we just have, sometimes it's just about the nourishment and it's about and we're there to make that connection and help them get that nourishment yeah that's exactly right and look the way i present myself and operate within somebody's home is completely counterintuitive to what people would think a private chef does like you're describing you know the fancy dinners at home there's something to be said about like this michelin star level uh, meal in your own house, yeah. you know, especially when you're, you're entertaining and you have guests, family and friends that are there. It's a great thing. It's beautiful. Wow. We're, we didn't have to go out. We yeah. didn't have to make reservations. We don't have to drive. We don't have to drive home. We can have all the wine that we want. It's a great experience, but eventually realize, yeah, it's, it's the nourishment and it's the, it's the, the warmth that people want in their home and there's so many homes and even yeah as i travel through clients here in these like massive homes that don't have a heart to them they don't have warmth right so my mindset as i'm going into one of these homes is um can i bring can i bring grandma energy into the home you know a lot of times i and i it clicked for me after a series of, of events with one client and the guy would come home this is a incredibly wealthy super powerful ceo type and he would come home and he's all agitated from his day of work you know and he's he has a suit on he's like you know screaming about this and this guy fucked up and that happened and that the guy's a multi-billionaire and he would come home and i'm here to provide him food and what clicked for me it was it was like that scene from ratatouille where the critic comes like he, he has the flashback and he went outside when he was five years old and he was riding his bike and he fell and he scraped his knee and he comes home and his mom is making him ratatouille. So that memory clicks for him of comfort. Yeah. So here I am, I'm realizing all I need to do is to look at this powerful CEO that owns 
an, a godly amount of real estate and, and a, just an insane amount of wealth. And I need to look at him as if he's five years old and I'm his grandmother. And I, all I need to do is look at him like a hungry kid that got his knee scraped out in the, in the playground. And here he comes home. He's all hangry and everything. Here, here's a plate of food. Yeah. Grandma made you some food. And grandma is six foot four, six foot four <laughs> me. You know, the beard <laughs> ripped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. But if I, can, if I can inject the home with that type of energy, that is the key to the success of my career. It's yeah. not my cooking skills. Because my style is not that high-end kind of Michelin star plating. It's rustic, it's minimal, and the the fewer amount of ingredients, the better. Like, that's that's what gets me going. You know, after working with you for those two and a half, three months, I went home and worked on my rustic food. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can play it. I need to make, I need to make rustic pretty. I was like, I need to go do that. Now it pays off, like, so much. Like, because my client now, it's just, like, family style all the time. Like, even when it's just the two of them, we still do family style. Always family style. At home, nobody should eat on, on their own plate, on their own, like, section of real estate on the table. It has to be family style when they're guests, when it's family, when it's just two people. That's, it's the way to eat. And honestly, man, I believe that that's the way people really want to eat. They can tell themselves stories about what they were told or, or they, you know, kind of the status that they want to maintain as as like wealthy people mm-hmm. everybody wants to eat family style and everybody wants to eat with their hands it is they just don't know it yet you know it's not just, me yeah 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 not you me. too you too i you just need to be I broken down so i love the art of food so much that the finer and more artistic it gets on the plate the more i love it yeah dude that's how we compliment each other man we yeah work exactly ah i would love that um, I've tried getting you a couple times over to the house that I work at now. Nah, there's no getting me. You just <laughs> you won't take that two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, you're missing some zeros, bro. <laughs> ah, some zeros, multiple zeros. No, I pay I pay mm-hmm. my guys pretty good now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, also the just the industry standard has gone up so high. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. It's ridi- I'm not. I like when I got this job i was at like top tier of the industry standard and then in the two years because of covid and what it did for private chefs like everyone's i'm like low on the totem pole again and i i'm i like my i like my people too much i'm not gonna go like hey can i get a raise (laughs) because they're like you're not gonna find this mental health anywhere else right dude mental health is worth way more than than money in the bank oh absolutely and People have to remind that. I, I learned that the hard way. And once I flipped the script on myself like that, man, life became a lot better. And ironically, I get paid more for some weird reason. It all comes right. full circle in that way because being calm in a chaotic environment is the most valuable asset that you can have in a space yeah. like this. Yeah. Well, and, and you can also charge for that. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> well, like, like, no, it's it, it, come, it comes back around like not like thinking of it, not going, hey, I'm calm in this chaotic environment, so pay me more. Right. It's in that environment, the people around you see that and they're like, man, that guy's got it together. And then right. they value you more. So right. your, val- your initial value goes up. And yeah, I mean, I, I love that. Like, there's been so many times where I've been in a house, you know, doing some kind of party or helping another chef or whatever. And like shit is hitting the fan. And I'm like, I'm like super calm. And like people don't expect that from me because I'm, you know, I'm this ball of energy and I, I, I do have standards and, but I will never yell at somebody in the kitchen. It's wasted energy. It doesn't do anything. 
I'm always just so calm in the kitchen because I, the kitchen is like therapy for me. This is my favorite place to be mm-hmm. other than behind a drum set. Like I love this. So it's super therapeutic. So when shit's hitting the fan, I'm just like, this is just a puzzle. We just got to reorganize the pieces. Right. And put it together. Right. All it is is food, man. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just food. I had a, I had a, a friend who is also, she has gone to culinary school. I mean, she is amazing. Super high net worth couple. I mean, like, but she, we've become really great friends. And she was hosting a, a, a luncheon at her house for a fundraiser for a governor or some politician. Super cool thing, though. But she's like, will you help me? And I'm like, yeah. Should we do this whole menu and it's this whole spread? And, like, people are supposed to come through and, like, take one of each thing. And we made it, like, family style. But people are like taking two and threes of things. And she's like, we're going to run out. We're going to run out. I'm like, doesn't matter. There's other things that aren't getting taken. I was like, and the people at the back of the line will get those. She's like, yeah, but they paid X amount of dollars. To... It's like, they're, they don't care. I was like, they don't care. It's just food. It's just food. They'll be fine. We'll, we'll make some more stuff. I was like, you got a fridge full of shit. Let's go make something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, I don't know how you're so calm right now. And she's like, I'm losing my shit. It's like go drink some wine. It's chill. <laughs> right, that is experience. Yeah, it's experience when you when you find yourself in those chaotic environments and you realize that time passes and eventually, yeah, it's it's all good. And that goes for I mean that goes for almost every job out there. Not not everyone, but almost. It's like when you realize it's not going to kill you, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that anxiety just comes from this like place where it's like this is the end, and it's like it's not the end. There's another side. You're going right. to come out of it no matter what. Like it you're it's not going to kill you. Like when you're stressed about that car payment or that I remember getting so stressed out about money and the minute I stopped stressing about money, the more I had. Like you were saying, it's like it comes like when you focus on the mental health and you you start resonating higher and your vibration comes up higher and then the things that you want start coming to you. When you stop thinking about them and stop caring about them and stop worrying about it, then it all just comes yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of releasing control. If you feel like you're you're in control and you're the only one that can do the job and you're the only one and you're by yourself, all you have is the capacity of your own body and your own mind and you have to grind through, then you're the one blocking the good stuff from coming to you or through you to mm-hmm. your clients. Yeah. If you hold on to that and the longer you hold on to it and the stronger your grip is on that thing, then it's it's all on damage. you. Yeah. It's all on you. But yeah. it's a scary thing to release control. Yeah. When you feel like, man, what I've been doing has been has gotten me to this place. Right. Well, there's more. There's you more. know, there's more places to go and there's more ways to do one thing. And and understanding that, once I released control over that, man, it's all of a sudden not only am I more calm, I'm getting paid more, my life is better. I have all this, you know, all this uh, abundance coming to me, and it's just a matter of that. But it, yeah. it does come from experience, and it comes through, uh, through the fire, you know. Yeah, like that's the only way. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what else are you working on? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm working on right now. I'm still private chefing, and I, I don't know if you have the best job in the world, maybe the second, because my client is dreamy. <laughs> um, <laughs> The absolute best uh, private chef job that I've ever had in my life, and I'm super grateful for that, which allows me a lot of spare time to just do other things. And what I'm launching very soon is my podcast, The Present Perfect Podcast. 
um, which will be a start with a podcast and then expand into a, a platform that will uh, they, it will support people going into the new world, you know, and the new world is w what I mean by that is there's a transition from this hyper materialistic, hyper capitalistic world that we've been operating on for a very long time that is slowly starting to crumble before our eyes. We see it with the systems just not operating smoothly, as smooth as they used to. Um, the new world to me feels a lot more uh, spiritually based, a lot more uh, driven by uh, art, by, by the heart and not the mind. And the goal of the platform, starting with the podcast, is to talk to people who dance between both the material and the, the metaphysical, you know, kind of the spiritual. People who operate very successfully in the world but are guided by divine forces and mm -hmm. have a connection to the divine, to spirituality, like myself, like other like-minded people that are around me from different fields, uh, different ages, and different uh, backgrounds, different life stories, but all have that in common. And can we kind of join forces in order to, to push this new narrative and to show people who are curious about it that there is a different way? Uh, so that's what I've been working on right now. That's coming October 1st. I don't know when this is going to be released, but October 1st, everything's going to be out on all the podcast outlets, Good. Instagram, so, YouTube. Have, all you, that have stuff. you recorded some already? I've recorded some already. It's all in the works and it's all... Uh, Doesn't that feel good? It kind of goes back to that time when you when you recorded MasterChef and then you walked away from it and then you, had a, you waited until it came out. And then when it came out, it was like, you got to relive it again, but then also like you've actually separated yourself from it and you're letting it just be on its own that's exactly it man and that's what that's the gift of time and experience and maturity so now i'm looking at it as if man back then i can look at who i was and i was so i was defined i defined myself by my cooking career this is who i am if i'm not cooking then who am i you know if i'm not getting praise and money and and fame for my cooking then i i'm nothing and here it's a completely different story, man. I know who I am. I know yeah. the the belief system that I live by, the moral system that I live by. I know that when my daughter looks at me, she sees nothing but love. Yeah. And so anything else that I build is is a bonus. But can I serve more? Can I use this level of of confidence and and ability to live through life um, securely and openly? Can I use it to help others and to serve others? So it's very exciting and it feels very on point and very accurate and uh, and aligned. Um, and man, it's it's so much fun to allow myself to enjoy the process and to really release myself from the outcome, you know. And it's it, that's a big difference between that and where I was when I was first starting off in my cooking career. Still yeah. a beginner's mindset, still like all new, learning how to, and I'm one man operation, which I'm really loving, like designing all of it, editing the sound, editing the video, editing like all of it with, you know, with a, a level of ineptitude that is probably really high. Like, I don't know what the fuck. I, I'm learning all of these things, but yeah. it's really fun to be a beginner at something. Yeah. And and to trust that through repetition, I'm going to get better, which is already proving itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a really fun process. That's awesome, dude. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I wish you all the success with that. Uh, I would love to come on and talk about that because I do love me some materialistic things, but I also, <laughs> I also love the, the idea of just like the spiritual world. Have you done DMT? No, not yet. Oh, dude. 
fucking <laughs> wild. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. But I, dude, that's what to me cooking is one of the one of the greatest meeting places. Uh, yeah, of the spiritual and the material. You know, there's the yes. not only not only the process of cooking, but everything how it grows and how it circulates through nature, through the body, back into nature, and the process of cooking itself. You know, for us to be able to be gifted with the skill of cooking and the and and we become this kind of um we we become the point where god and earth meet mm. you know god gives us all the gifts of of the abundance of nature that we use and then make it palatable for humans to eat yeah you know it's a, it's a yeah. it's a beautiful thing we're the only species that cooks their food mm -hmm. and also like when and to layer on top of what you're saying is like when you're cooking you can only be present. You can't be thinking about the future or, or the past. I mean, then you fuck up. Like if you if you're cooking good food, you are present. I mean, I've I've found myself like when I'm if I'm not like if I've made a bad dish, it's only because like my head's somewhere else. And mm -hmm. the whole reason I like to cook is to be present, make it delicious and beautiful and connect with it and then share it and I, I yeah that's a special thing it's a special thing and that to me is what's most fascinating about the minimalism in cooking like the f the fewer ingredients the more focused i need to be because there's nowhere to hide yeah you know if i'm making a loaf of sourdough all i took was flour and water right and that and that's it you know there's nowhere to hide what you started off with is what you're going to end up with and you have to pay attention to this living breathing thing this the process and the interaction between all the elements that just that that all kind of funnel into this one loaf of bread and it's a completely different experience when you make it at home versus when you go and buy it and and it was sitting on the shelf for already a week sure. and it's made in order to be able to to stand on the yeah. shelf for that long and it's yeah. too soft to be true right and it's it, it becomes a spiritual experience if you allow it if you mm -hmm. allow it and once you do it's life changing. And I've seen it with people that, you know, I'll just make pasta from scratch with them, you know? Yeah. And for, for them to witness flour and water be combined into something. And the, and the cool thing about pasta is that you see it from start to finish. Yeah. Like you see it beginning, you see it ending, and it brings so much pleasure and joy and nourishment to your body that it blows people away. Well, and then also with pasta there, you can add in the materialistic element, like, the better the flour, the like more fine, like double OO flour from Italy, from like the pasta gets better. Yes. The, well, the darker the egg yolks, if you go get those, you know, the eggs that are just really dark egg yolks. And, and then, you know, you, that you can add some of that materialistic, you know, our, that part of the world to such a spiritual thing. And you get, you well, get something you really could, intense. You could look at it as materialistic, but you could also flip it and say, no, that that is the real stuff. Right. And everything that we look at as materialistic is the industrial things that are lower and lower and lower in standard. Meaning those dark egg yolks are the way egg yolks are supposed look. to be. Right. The way that, that that flour in Italy is that way that wheat is supposed to be grown. Sure. So they just charge the, more for it. <laughs> Rightfully so, because it's <laughs> yeah. real. And I, I look at it and I think about it too, like, look, uh, every person with their own budget, and it's really hard to eat well and eat healthily in, in this country, um, in this day and age, because 
the cheap stuff is just so easily available and it's not high quality. So you look at an, um, at you know high-end groceries or grocery stores, or you go to the farmer's market and you say, man, but the fruits and vegetables are so expensive. I can go to, to, you know, to Ralph's or Trader Joe's and buy my fruits and vegetables there and apples and apple. And the bottom line is that it isn't. And you think about it and you say, you can look at the farmer's market and say it's overpriced. What I do is I look at the normal grocery stores and they say that they are underpriced. They underpriced and and overvalued, meaning the the produce that they sell is just not good and therefore it's cheap. So there is a give and take here and you're going to spend the money whether you like it or not, whether you're going to spend it now on the ingredients or you're going to spend it later on the doctors and the medical treatments, it's going to come out of your pocket no matter what. Yeah. And I choose to thrive now. So fruits and vegetables are some things that I just, I don't skimp on and dude, I, I geek out on it. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Cause once you see a real tomato, a real tomato, you're not going to go back to a bullshit tomato. No. You know, it's hard to do. There's a difference. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a garden at, at the house that I work at and my client loves artichokes. I mean, I got an artichoke tattoo for her. She loves them. Uh, but like artichokes take forever to grow. Mm-hmm. So there's like every four to six months, like I'll get a couple artichokes out of the, out of the garden. And then right. for the rest of the time I got to get them either at the farmer's market or air one or wherever I get them. And, and she can, she knows the difference just immediately. She's like, these are the best. Why are these so good? I'm like, these ones came out of your yeah, garden. Man. They yeah. came out of your garden and you stayed out of the way. Yeah. You just let them be what they are and they were made perfectly. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And we don't, I mean, I'm actually, I shot a video on how I cook them and it, it is so simple. It's just like steam, grill, olive oil, salt, pepper. Done. Best. The best. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ingredients, how's your palate? Nah, man. It's good. Yeah? <laughs> you ready to, you ready to put go. it to the test? Let's go. <laughs> I was watching your episode with Adrian with the anchovy paste while you were squeezing and I was like, anchovy paste. <laughs> Dude, Adrian was so funny. He was like, he was like, this is so green and vibrant. <laughs> like you can taste color. <laughs> All right, well here, while he's getting the food. You got your you got your water. I'll put that in your hand as you've seen in the episodes. Throw your blindfold on. You weren't a blindfold before? Yes, but I can't tell you. <laughs> What was his name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that you made that too easy for me. All right, dun da da da. Okay. All right, all right. So, the steaks is an epic mega cookie, which I was thinking you probably don't put a lot of sugar in your body, and I was also thinking you probably don't give a lot of sugar to your daughter. Except right before when you drop her off with her mom. <laughs> so, if you want, just give this to your daughter right when you drop her off. <laughs> uh, tomorrow. I get her back tomorrow. Uh, She's going to lose her mind. That'd be cool. Um, okay, where do we want to start? This is not going to be This is not gonna be an easy one. All right, cool. I, uh, I brought out some big guns. I got a couple easy ones. Especially for me? Yeah, especially for you. Yeah, let's go. Let's start. Let's start with a tricky one. All right, you know the drill. I'm gonna say open up, and then you uh, you open up, and I'll spoon feed you like Put a little that big baby. Gun in my mouth. Let's go. All right, open up. Mm. 
carrots. Yes. Suck it, Adrian. <laughs> Do they taste green at all? <laughs> it tastes so orange, I can feel it. They're actually they were actually uh, rainbow carrots. So there was no orange mm. ones in there. Okay, okay, <clears throat> okay. Do you want to rinse? Nah, I'm You're good. good. Okay. <clears throat> boom, ba -da boom. We did, a, we did a taste challenge on the on one of the episodes of the show. I remember you did. Yeah, test or or um, uh, what are the ingredients in Graham's chili? Graham Elliott made a chili, and we had the guess. Yeah. All the oh yeah, taste it and guess all the ingredients. Oh, that's awesome. Do you remember how you did? I did well. All right, open up. <laughs> Aged cheddar. Mm, you want to try one more time? Parmesan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Parmigiano. I gave I gave mm. you a second chance because you were in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the crystals. Yeah, those crystals. That's what gives those mm. that away. Okay. Okay. Uh. All right. Ready? Open up. <laughs> Angela, <laughs> I love it, uh, dude. Anchovies are one of the most underrated, um, so good ingredients, man. I just get them sometimes in the can and eat them. Mm -hmm. Like, like really, like the good canned stuff. Like you know how like stuff, Spain, yeah. they like they really take pride in some Spain, of their canned Portugal. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I get them. I get like I spent like twenty bucks on some canned anchovies one day they were phenomenal all right here we go open up bell pepper ding 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 okay okay turn lee. it up turn it up all right lee naz turn it up you ain't getting this one let's see open up Yuzu Koshu. Fucking hell! What? What? Yes, dude. I love it. <laughs> Woo! I dropped your spoon on the ground. Man, I got me all tingly. Yuzu Koshu. What a great product, huh? Yeah, let's end it there. Yeah? Yeah. I did it? You nailed it. The next one was going to be pork belly, but... Uh, I didn't want to give that to you. But I'm Jewish. Yeah, that's. I asked you. I didn't know, no, but I figured I was, I'm Jewish. Ish, mm -hmm. got it, dude. You got Yuzu Kosher. I'm impressed. Mm. It's one of my favorites. Cheers to that. I wow, love great, it, man. Just on on like on a piece of raw fish or mm. something. It's the best. In a sashimi or a crudo. It's the best. Wow. Yeah. So I love sushi, right? Like I I think you could probably relate to this. Like when you're you cook all week long and you want to do something, you want to eat out. It's like sushi's like my go to. Like, yeah. Because it's like something that, like, I'm not going to do for myself because there's so many steps involved. There's so much prep. <clears throat> but it's also so minimal that that's why I like it. You know, and I'm going to these really great sushi places. I'm like, what's this extra little? Like, I'm getting just nigiri, mm -hmm, fish and mm -hmm. rice, but what's this extra pop? I'm like, what is this? And I'm just like watching. And then I'm finally, I was like, I'm sitting at the sushi bar. I 
you know, I'm, I throw up cash to tip all the guys and I'm like, what is that? You right, know, right, like right. I'll pay for the information. And you know, he's like, it's, it's called Yuzu Koshu. And he's like, it's, you know, it's just, it's finely chopped up pepper and, and Yuzu. And, and I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. It's brilliant, huh? And Mitsua sells, I mean, let me look at this jar. There's no English on that. No, that's what you want. I love Mitsua. It's the best. It's the best. What's the one? There's one on Olympic and Sautel. Um, well, I don't have to go that far. Nijia. Nijia. Ah, yeah, yeah, Nijia is good, too. Dude, they're, to they're the best. Yeah, Bro. Great, great fish. Great products. Okay, you crushed it. So here, you win an Epic Mega Cookie. Yes, dude. <laughs> yes, Have you dude. seen it yet? I, have, I mean, I just online? I'm gonna wrap this up and give it to my daughter when I pick her up from school tomorrow. Hell yeah! Yeah, you're getting some points. Ah, thank you, dude. You're welcome. Yeah, man. Um, are you still making bread? I'm still making bread for myself. Beginning of quarantine, I started a hollow operation out of my house. Well, I started baking them pretty much every Friday, and um, I would give it out to neighbors and everything. I had my like the old neighbor that would never go out of her house and was terrified of COVID, and I would drop off a challah for her every You're Friday. Amazing. Made made good connections with the neighbors. You're a mensch. Uh, yeah, I try, man. <laughs> I do my best, but uh, I'm still making bread. It's the best, dude. My yeah. new thing is sauerkraut and and sprouts. Making sprouts at home. Have you ever tried? No. Like sprouts from seeds, like alfalfa sprouts. Bro, uh, I woke up. Sprouts. I woke up this morning at seven a.m. and filmed a cooking video mm -hmm. of a surf and turf lobster roll with an uni butter. Oh, look at you! At seven a.m. All my and favorites. I, and I did this little like skit where I like pretended to be my sous chef and me and i'm like talking back and forth to myself changing outfits like I, i'm pushing the boundary on this oh, one wow i literally got done with that did the dishes come here do this i'm gonna leave this i'm gonna go to malibu and i'm gonna cook for my client and then i'm gonna come home and i'm gonna go to the bakery and bake cookies because i got orders just coming through time to fucking bake make sprouts grow Bro, sprouts i love <laughs> you man you don't you do not have a minimalist uh, bone in your body it's like all go and all just on yeah. point man good for you it's i don't know good it, for you i have an addictive personality but not for like drugs not for destruction it's mm. for creation yeah I feel like you. like i just want to create like i just like it would not because i've been at that you know, one of the most miserable times in my life was being in between a band, like when my band fell apart and I hadn't auditioned for MasterChef yet and I just did not know who I was or what I wanted to do and I wasn't creating anything and like I would leave this serving job and I was the best server at the serving job and there was nowhere to go and like I wasn't getting any praise from the restaurant for being the best every night. It was like, you guys don't care. I'm just a number for you. I'm just making you guys money. You don't care. Like, and what am I doing? What am I doing this for? And I just, I just remember this moment in my life that's just limbo with no purpose and wasn't creating anything. And it was like miserable. Mm -hmm. And I, I just like to create. I just want to, you know, I'm lucky that right now, like I can, support myself while i'm creating because i've also i've also created from a place out of just desperate need and that's not always fun but yeah i mean i just that's i feel like that's my purpose in life is just to create i want people to enjoy 
the things that come out of my mind and my brain and my heart. Yeah, totally, man. You're, you're full of energy and it's good uh, to find outlets for that energy, like positive outlets that feed you and feed others literally and figuratively. Yeah. It's a, it's a good place to be. And so I can imagine not having anywhere to put it. It's would, would, pretty much drive you crazy yeah so but dude you're such a blessing man you're a blessing no, for creating you this. Are. i do my best but you're you're really um man I, I love your food i love your attitude towards life and and all of it man really really cool stuff love you man thank you well i appreciate you coming out anything yeah. else you want to say nah man before we wrap it up no nah, i'll say it next time <laughs> <laughs> say it on our next episode or on the podcast that we do together yeah online. that'd be cool well yeah. dude i mean Thank you again for coming out. I know, you know, being a, an awesome dad, I know I've like FaceTimed you a couple of times with you, when you're with your daughter and it just looks like the best time. So I know you're doing things right. Yeah, man. Day uh, by day. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. Cool. All right, brother. Let's get you out of here. Appreciate I got to go man. to Malibu now. Thank you. <laughs> Drive safely. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to A Bunch of Losers with me, Derek Fox. Uh, please comment below. Uh, if you guys have questions for any of these guests, I'm sure they would love to answer, and I'll answer as well. So let me know below. Also, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, and then also make sure you're following us on Instagram, A Bunch of Losers with Derek Fox, so you get the update on the new episodes. We will be launching them weekly. All right. Thanks, losers. Action.